This week, the number one show on Netflix Canada was Shadow and Bone. Hey, Justin. Yes, Dave. Why are people watching this? I don't know, Dave, but let's figure it out. Here's the official Netflix synopsis for Shadow and Bone. Dark forces conspire against orphan mapmaker Alina Starkov when she unleashes an extraordinary power that could change the fate of her war-torn world. Sounds exciting. I, I, before we get started, I just have to make this note. For those who were listening last week, we said we were going to be doing The Circle this week. Yes. Because we recorded it on a, on a Friday night, and we looked up on Netflix, the number one show was The Circle. Uh, but then Sunday rolled around. Mm-hmm. That's when we usually record. And yep. we looked then, and the number one show was Shadow and Bone, which is... So much better than I'm yeah. sure the circle would have been. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, and because I was super excited about Shadow and Bone coming out, and I'm like, oh, I hope this is number one, and it was. Yeah. And then I'm like, we told people we we're going to do the circle, but you know what? Forget it. As yeah. I said, that looked like a bunch of millennial crap. I had I had a friend write in who was listening to the podcast. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. So I have no regrets, no shame in swapping into seeing I Shadow have and Bone. Nil in the shame meter because you know what we've been this is the thing about this podcast. we've paid our dues we've, we've paid our dues we have been in the trenches and for months now yep where everything's garbage and the thing i don't understand because we're asking why are people watching this is why are so many shows that i think are objectively crap number one when there are things on netflix like shadow and bone which are amazing i don't understand it but here's the thing if you looked in that top 10 list for the circle now you would probably never find even a trace that it was ever there so what happened what happened to bring it up there i don't someone's I, like hey this is new and everybody just says hey new 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 jumped on board started watching it and they were like god this is horrible and then they learned real quick but shadow and bone i don't i haven't looked yet but it was hanging out toward number 1 for a long time yeah. for good reason would you like to hear my synopsis. I would most definitely, because this is in your wheelhouse. I think you really enjoy this. This is all of the wheelhouses combined into one. Yes. Um, this is my synopsis, which normally is supposed to be a better synopsis than the one we just heard from Netflix. Um, so here goes. Lee Bardugo wrote a bunch of amazing young adult novels, which someone thought would be a good idea to turn into a Netflix television series. It could have gone wrong in a million ways, but it damn well turned out amazing, and I love everybody and everything, and thank God we got to watch something awesome for a change. That's my synopsis. Wow, boy, you're you're going to... Boy, the gripes and grumbles section is going to be really blank. short. This week. It's yeah, blank. Just a big blank spot in your sheet. Okay, well, I'm going to have to fill in the gaps, I guess. All right, bring us some cynicism, Dave. I'd like to see you try. <sighs> okay, I'm gonna I hate it to down. be just the voice of negativity. Try. So I'm, just, I'm, I'm ready. Not. It's okay. a fight. It's going to be a fight. Okay, a dog fight. Here we go. In a dystopian fantasy world, an unassuming young woman from a shunned social class is discovered to have special abilities that no one noticed and is drawn reluctantly into the role of the chosen one and savior of the society. Is this the Hunger Games? Is this Divergent? The Fifth Wave? Star Wars? No, this is something very much the same. But at the same time, so very much more. Magical casts, monsters, class warfare, crime syndicates, bolt-action rifles, chosen (laughs) ones, airbenders, with all the character complexity and quantity of a good Dostoevsky novel. Mm. This is Shadow and Bone. That's pretty good. I feel like you were doing your best to take a few digs where you could, but there's nothing to dig. 
There's so little to dig here. It's just because it's good. Anyway, I don't want to just get all lyrical about it, Dave. So yeah. why don't you, what are we supposed to do next? What well, specifically, next? let's get into some specific likes you had about this. It's a long list. Yeah, well, I let's, mean, let's hear it because it's, it's time. It's time to air the clean laundry. Finally. I mean, I know someone said that they were excited that we were going to do the circle because it was supposed to be bad and then we just gripe about it, right? Yeah. But like, I, so, sometimes I just don't want to be cynical. And there's this a, is one of those times. There's kind of enough to gripe about in our in our outside lives right now. So This is my whole thing with Netflix. Like, why are there so many sad shows that are terrible, number one? Because the real world is filled with all the pain and the murders and the awful. Like, when you watch Netflix, you want to watch something lighthearted and fun. Although this wasn't necessarily lighthearted. But it, at least it was good. Yes. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm just going to pepper you with a few likes. Yes. First of all... Um, the ex the way it started, I think, I mean, because I well, I have to disclose, I read all of these books, um, like when they came out. I've been oh. a huge fan of this young adult series and Lee Bardugo's writing mm -hmm. forever. So this none of this was new to me. Okay. Uh, so I already maybe you haven't read these. See, the weird thing is, is I saw Shadow and Bone, and I've read a lot of young adult stuff because I have had young adults in the house so i would just kind of read whatever came through their hands and i was looking at it i was like have i read this uh oh and it, i can picture the cover of the book and everything but i can't the storyline escapes me so I, okay. I guess i didn't well i definitely did and I, I it was a while back since i i read it but like i remember it very well mm -hmm. uh, and whenever someone is looking for book recommendations in the young adult sort of uh umbrella i'm like yeah read anything from lee bardugo she's great um anyway so it started off with an exposition, I think, that set up the world really well for those who didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Because, some, you know, when a show like this where there's a big, expansive world with all this, like, history, like, Tolkien-style, Lord of the Rings-style, like, it can be a real slog to, to, to explain all that and, and then have people follow along. But I think they did a good job of setting it up. Am I right about that? Because you didn't know this world as well as I did. Yeah, I have a few things to say about that. <laughs> okay, well, good, good. Well, we'll save that. Um, yeah, so I thought that was great. I think, you know, from a casting perspective, I was, because I knew who the characters were already, like, I was psyched about everybody. I thought there were so many cool people and cool actors. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was, I was super into that. Uh, that I liked. Um, yeah, I mean, the the fold itself, like the 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 graphics the design of it i thought was so cool because like yeah. i knew you know i knew about it from the books and and um and it looked way cooler on screen than i thought it would possibly look so i was super psyched about that anyway um i don't know so many things are good dave i don't want to just be all lyrical nobody wants to listen to somebody like something well so, i guess they do <laughs> well okay well what else what did you like about it well i love the whole czarist russia thing i love that this wasn't another see okay let me just be clear i came into this knowing absolutely nothing about the grisha verse and the you know the whole uh mythology of this world yeah. like i i just turned it on as if i was turning on any show and just sat down to watch completely oblivious okay so uh, right off the bat i was like oh i love this whole kind of uh 19 18 or you know turn of the century czarist sort of russia feel about everything you know yeah. like it's but just, just because so many of these kind of shows have this setting and like there's sort of some quasi medieval england mm -hmm. set up 
But this was great. I, I like that because I love shows that depict that kind of equality between the sexes and stuff mm-hmm. that comes out of these like Russian, uh, that the way they deal with the military and stuff, which was, which was cool. Cause they, there was no thing like, okay, well these are the women and these are the men. They were just shoulder to shoulder soldiers in this wagon opening up the, the series. It wasn't like, well, you're women, you're men. And we're in separate classifications. I like that. Huh? I uh, never even thought about that. Did but... you? One of my favorite war movies is Enemy at the Gates. You ever see that Jude Law? I know of it. It's just basically he's a Russian sniper in Stalingrad okay. in, in the Second World War. But there's that same feel to it. Like I mean, in the in the Russian army, women and men are just they're 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 just soldiers. There's no distinction between. I like that part of it. Yeah. And I just liked all the trappings of that, the, the costumes and stuff, and yeah. and this kind of it was a little. Not steampunky, but just that whole Victorian age weaponry and like skiffs and, you know, they're just kind of on the verge of some kind of industrial revolution, but they're just not there yet. No, you're right. It's, it is, it is on the cusp of being steampunky, but totally not because, um, you know, they have magic and then they have guns and then they have their, like you say, the new inventions and that's part of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't traffic heavily on steampunk. That's not why you like it. No, I I just love the grittiness of wh- where they were this at the front lines or whatever you know, and they're they're encamped there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I liked. Uh, but also in the background, there's this kind of post-Russian Revolution propaganda posters that are yes, around. Yes, those are that, great. That you see those in the background. So it's inter- That part really tweaked my interest. I was looking around the world. The world building was great. That that part of it. Uh, the casting was great. Yep. Uh, all the characters seemed to, to fit into the role that they had, all the actors. Um, I liked, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a kind of a divergent from the book series, is that they cast uh, Alina Starkov as a sort of uh, biracial character, which opened up, was that in the books? No, she was, um, she was Ravkin. She was not half- uh, Han, like they had. Um, so I like about. that. I like that they, because that's a real thing that's current now in in the Gestalt. Yeah, is it's, is you know Asian racism that sort of thing, and that she was a sort of bi-racial person that yeah. was also shunned as well as being kind of from a lower class and an orphan. She was shunned because of her. Because she was part of the enemy. Yeah, but then suddenly yeah. goes from being shunned, like talk about a fish out of water story, from being shunned to instantly, like now you're the savior of the world. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I like that. No, that was, I thought that was a cool addition. You're right. That was not in the books. Uh, and, and and it became an important part of this uh, series, which was, um, which I think was a heck of a good idea. And it was all with the stamp of approval of, of Lee Bardugo. Like she was helping a lot, I think, in with the showrunners and the writers. Um, yeah. So I'm sure she helped craft that idea. And getting back to what you said about, you know, being dropped into these worlds and there's a, it's kind of can be arduous to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, I like that it dropped you right into the action. There wasn't like a long ticker at the first, like it is such and such a date and, and this has happened and this is, you know, there was no explanation of that. They just drop you into this uh, wagon. Um, there's a bit of a voiceover from her, but mostly it's just they're there. Here's the fold. 
Well, that's, that's deal with I mean. it. Even like Lord <laughs> of the Rings was a voiceover, right? To get you into it. But this, it, it can go really wrong. And if you just drop someone in the action and there's no exposition, people are lost and then angry because they don't yeah. know who they are or what's going on. But they managed, like you said, they dropped them right into the action and sort of organically explained the world around them through dialogue, which is really hard to do. And I think, I think they did a, such a good job. And the other part, I mean, I hate to keep going on, but I, the other part about this is I, after doing some research, I liked the band of criminals part. And after doing the research, I realized that was a whole separate set of books. That's right. That and was they, the Six of Crows series. Yeah. So they brought that in, which I thought added a, a nice complexity to the story and added all these other characters, added this other world. in almost like a Game of Thrones way where you've got this universe, but you're not just focusing on one little corner of it. You've got like uh, different scenarios going on in different parts of the world. Yep. I, I thought that that, again, was another uh, thing that they decided to do to bring those two um, timelines together into one and those two characters to interact, which I thought could have been terrible, but worked out absolutely perfectly as if it was meant to be. And and part of the exposition thing, like when Kaz Brecker is trying to fa- find a way across the fold and he's he's running around town asking people like do you know of a way we can yeah. get across you get so much exposition from people about like how the fold works and where they're located and it all explains more about the world but but that's thoroughly organic that seems like a thing he would actually do so such yeah. a good way to get information across without it being corny well here's the thing i the first time i watched it i've got something to say about that in grumbles and cries but the first time i watched <laughs> it i was picking up on those expositions uh, there's a big vehicle going. Oh by. yeah, we should mention it, we are stuck in the middle of a lockdown yes. here. Uh, we went last week. It was like there was some a lockdown in Halifax, and then the rest of the province was kind of okay. But we still did a socially distanced recording. But now we're full on in a Nova Scotian lockdown, uh, which is which I think people are pretty happy about because it means we're going to get a get control of things. Um, but that means that Dave is once again on my lawn. I am outside. Yeah. But I am in a very comfortable uh, teal green wingback chair. Yep. So I look quite sophisticated out here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you got your, your little hat on and, and the wind is blowing and then some ATVs, <laughs> <My little laughs> some ATVs just went by. It's, you know, it's bucolic and, and pretty rural, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, ridiculous, really, because I just have all these cables running out the window. I can't even see Dave at this point. He's on the other side of a wall. Yeah, That's it's... how safe we are. Like, we, are <laughs> we are not interacting in any way. There's literally a two-foot wall between us. Yep. But um, I don't need to look at him. Yeah. I know what you look like, Dave. It's, yep. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, so that was some ATVs running by. Hi, guys. Um, what were you saying? Uh, exposition that bothered you or something. Uh, well, I'll get into that in Grumbles and Graves. However, I, the first time through, I was, as somebody who had never read these books and had no exposure to this universe, completely baffled by times for a few moments. Mm. However, these expositions were super helpful. Um, and I didn't notice that they were corny. The second time, I watched this a second time. Okay. Because I wanted to go through it a little more closely. And I thought a lot of them on the second viewing were, you know, humans don't talk like this. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Are you, is this a segment? Are you going to... I'm not going to burst into a segment because, oh, okay. because here's why. Because I didn't notice it the first time. <laughs> okay. The first time it was helpful. The second time I listened to it, oh, you're... And I was, I was kind of hyper-focused on it. I was like, oh, nobody would say that. Oh, I see. One I see. example I just can think of is just she's in the orphanage uh, as, a, as a small child 
and the orphanage mother or whoever is like standing behind her and she's kind of working on a map or looking at a map and mm. and she's saying something about the fold and she goes, well, the fold ate your parents, dear. Uh, you know, a, a, fa- uh, yeah. a, a fact that the girl would know and be <laughs> yeah, want not want to be reminded of. You're yeah. right. Okay, I so, agree. so there were a few moments like that, but I didn't. The, the, the point is, I didn't notice them the first time. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other things that we've reviewed, they slap you in the face like a wet codfish. You know, <laughs> they're just like, oh, you know. I think we went over that in one of our last podcasts with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Like, you know, oh, we're d- over and me, over. Let yeah. me make I this perfectly clear. Yeah, yeah, let's. So this was not noticeable. Nope. You're right. I guess that's true. That didn't seem like natural dialogue now that I think about it. But it wasn't it wasn't codfish slapping Lee Bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to go on about and uh No, just that you know, when they were first boarding the skiff and they were about to cross and everyone is kind of nervous and her shawl blows away and then they enter and it's all quiet. Like I thought that was just awesome. It's just yeah. it was, I don't know. I really I'm really into that. I don't know, the fold is very exciting to me. I know this whole thing is totally in your wheelhouse. I could just imagine you watching this over and over again. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I did watch it twice because I watched it. We watched the whole thing. Like I already immediately binged it in like a day or two. Yeah. And then for the podcast, I went and watched it and then tried to Pick write down stuff. what was happening. Um, no, I, w- I don't want to go on and on. I mean, we're we're like what? We're 17 minutes into this podcast, okay. and I'm excited yeah. and happy for the first time. It's probably confusing <laughs> to people listening that I'm not upset so let's see if we can find something for me to be upset at no or you be upset and then i'll tell you why you're wrong okay yeah because usually you're just you're just chomping at the bit to get into this yeah. stuff so, but <laughs> i can tell you're holding back so okay let me just tell you and this is it's it's a moderate grumble and gripe so we are officially in we grumbles are and gripes? in grumbles and gripes damon justin's grumbles and gripes so this is a moderate grumble and gripe okay um, as somebody that had, okay, l- let me just set the stage. You know, usually when we watch these things, I sit down begrudgingly on a Friday night and I flip on, flip, flip it on and I'm kind of half paying attention to it. Cause most of the stuff we've been watching has been so easy to digest that I can half pay attention to it and mm-hmm. like make supper at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I was immediately struck by, okay, I just had to put it on pause and go sit down somewhere quiet and start focusing because I was like, a lot is happening here. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, the, for halfway through the first episode, I was still baffled and being overwhelmed. And I referred back to Dostoevsky novels. Have you read? You must have read Dostoevsky. And- I, thank you for assuming that I am a uh, well-read individual. I don't think I've read any Dostoevsky. <laughs> I'm an idiot. You're the you're the philosopher, Dave. Well, the idiot is actually the name of a Dostoevsky novel. I knew that. That was a reference I was making. Yeah. I, I totally knew that. I totally knew that. That's fine. And, and I think, <laughs> and I'm I'm definitely not a Dostoevsky scholar, but anytime I've read a Dostoevsky or Russian style novel, there's tons of characters. There's all sorts of overlapping character stories, and they're not easy character names to remember because mm-hmm. they're not like here's Bill and Stan and Phil. You know, they're the Raskalnikov <laughs> and and Durbov and and Smirnoff, and it, it, so it's hard to kind of get an idea. So I found this was like that right off the bat. Yeah, I think because the second storyline came in as well from mm-hmm. Ketterdam. So here's just a list of words that oh. I really wish I had a glossary okay. and a map when I started watching this. Okay. This would have really helped. So <laughs> East Ravka, sure. Ketterdam, Grisha, Inferni, Squalor, Volkra, Fabricators, Kermazin, Nober, Noveraburk. 
Island of Kerch, Zemini Coins, Pekka Rollins, Menagerie, The Barrel, Dreesen, Zemini Man Named Tendo, Kesh, A Girl at the Menagerie, The Black Heretic, The Sun Summoner, Heart Renders, Dime Lions, and The Black General. Those yeah. are just things I pulled out of, and I had no idea what any of those things were. Yeah. And I'm 100% confident, as opposed to, I think, when we watched... Uh, Mortal Engines, where I was completely not confident that any of those terms would get explained. I'm confident that all these things become clearer as the series moves on. Hmm. Yeah. They. Yes. I think this is what my question was, because like I know what all of that stuff is, because mm. it's just part of this world that's been going on for books and books and books. Yes. Um. So that didn't seem weird to me at all. But that's my question is to someone like you who who hasn't come across these. Is that was it? Because you're right in that, unlike the Mortal Engines things, these are important parts of the world. So they they are all meaningful. It's not just garbage words. Yeah. Um, but was it too many random words to be able to follow? Like, was it just, did it sound like gobbledygook? It was challenging, which is why I'm not hating on it too bad. Because I, you know, I like to be challenged. And I I just don't like to be like, here's a bunch of grant random words and we're never going to explain them. And we're just going to hope that you can figure them out. Uh, I'm confident that these were going to be explained. And actually, by the, s- the end of the episode, and by the time I watched it the second time, all of those things, I could tell you right now what they are. Okay. It's just that they came flying at me all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in quite a bunch. And there were the expositions, but they they often had more complexity in them and made things even more complex, or mm-hmm. they would have a term in them. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. So it's not terrible, but no, it was, it's, that's not terrible at all. That's just like okay, we're gonna notch things up a notch, which is great. I'm glad that I'm being like. But you like Dostoevsky. You like Russian. Well, this I'm, I'm glad I'm being treated like somebody who doesn't have pudding in their brain pan. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You like. You don't want to be pandered to. Just I like do. <laughs> you don't want to be. I know. I know. Generally, you're the person who doesn't like to be pandered to. But well, you're standing up. You're the Dostoevsky. You're Dostoevsky. I can't even say the name expert you're the russian literature hey, well guy. let's not get that let's let's tame that down <laughs> so anything else that was grumbly and gripey the only other thing is i want to know who they're fighting this is why i kind of needed a map mm. which ironically i wanted to pause the map she was drawing at the first and i did go back and pause it to uh-huh. try and figure out okay where am i geographically like i know there's the fold and i and i kind of knew ketterdam was on one side of the fold but they're talking about East Ravka, West Ravka. They named a couple other places. And where, who are they fighting? Mm-hmm. Where's the front? And I see. Who is the enemy? You're, yes, I could see how that's confusing. Um, because it wasn't, I guess, very clear from the very beginning who the enemy were, was and what they were doing, now that I think about it. But to be fair, this is not a film. This is a series, and I'm sure it becomes clear. Yes. And I'm confident in the way the writing is that this would become clear to me as the as episodes it. unfold. Okay. Great. So. Yeah. And it, and it is, and it does get cleared up later on. And um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's not too That's terrible. really it. That's a, that's a short list. And those aren't really hardcore gripes. Those are just like, some of them are just me not being very smart and and having a very like low attention span because I've been pandered to. Because you've been pandered to. You can, th- what you're saying is for most things we watch, you can go cook a full meal and eat it with your family while watching and still follow. Whereas this one, you Precisely, actually had to yeah. look at what was happening. Yeah, look and then go back a few times and yeah. go, okay, who is this guy? And 
Yeah, I agree. I, I like that too. I like a world that's immersive in that sense where I'm, I, you have to be on the couch and, you know, paying attention. I love it. Yeah, so it took me by surprise because we have been doing these episodes and they're just Garbage. Imagine yeah. if we had watched The Circle. Imagine. <laughs> I would not, I might, the podcast <laughs> might have ended. Oh yeah. I, would, I, ha- I, I ha- wouldn't be able to calm you down. You'd still be grumbling and griping. Oh, like, my heart. My God. Yeah. I would have been in the hospital and now I'm just euphoric. Um, okay. I have a grumble and gripe. Okay. Wow. Well, I had to come up with one, right? Because otherwise I can't... I mean, nobody is this positive about anything. And if they are, they're the ones with pudding for brains. <laughs> um, so here's one that I found. Okay. Um, there is a time jump mismatch in this, purposely built in, uh, where where um, we cut to Kaz Brecker and his crew, and they're tasked with finding... Um, finding out more about who this weird guy is that was brought across the fold that's in Dreesen's possession there or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that means that the thing we saw with Alina hasn't happened yet. They haven't crossed the fold yet uh, where she then does her sun summoner stuff. Yes. Right? Because we're we're um, forward in time. So those two things didn't line up time-wise, but there wasn't anything on the screen to say like, you know, one week earlier or three days earlier, you were just supposed to have figured it out. Um Right. Which I didn't I didn't actually because that storyline was brand new to me with Kaz and everyone going to find the Sun Summoner. Yes. Um I actually didn't know what was going on for a second. I'm like, oh what's I don't get it. Uh who are they looking for? What are they talking about? And then I only afterwards I realized it was a, a time shift. And you know, I'm a bit of a pudding head and I like things to be linear because otherwise I have to do thinking, which is no fun for me. <laughs> um, and so that took, that took me two seconds to have to recalibrate, um, which I, which is fine. I don't know how else they would have done it. I was, I thought it was great in the end. It was a good idea because otherwise how you edit together, I don't know. Um, so good job. Uh, but that was my only grumble that I could think of. It's nothing like the serpent. Remember? Oh, good Lord. It was just time jump after time jump. I that was just like, yeah, death by time jumping. Oh, my Lord. This was nothing like that. That was the most minimal of gripes I could possibly think of. Yeah. And that is, might not even be a gripe because that probably drew you in more. Cause you're like, what? Wait, what's going on? And then you're yeah. like, then you got to focus a bit more on the storyline and then Gosh, it just yeah. gets better. You're right. All right. I'm recalibrating. It's not a gripe. It's a like. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to refile that one. <laughs> What was your uh, best scene in this? My best scene? Everything was great. I don't know what to choose. So mm-hmm. I just picked this one. And do you remember when Alina and Mal were meeting Mal's friends uh, and and they refer to her as the, oh, this is your little friend from Karamzin, yeah. whatever. And she has this kind of reaction like, oh, little friend. And I think that her reaction and that little bit of writing to set that up uh, really sets up the comp- like the ambiguity of their relationship with each other. Like, cause she kind of likes him and he likes her. Is it a sister brother thing? Uh, she's sort of wrestling with her own emotions. Like she didn't like to be disrespected in that sense because she wanted to be more than a friend or maybe not, or she didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and that will, you know, play out later on as we learn about the development of their relationships. So that, that little, little tiny nugget of dialogue, I think sets off a, a lot of, explanation as to who these characters are and what their relationship is and what their stories are going to evolve to be. And I love that sort of thing. So subtle. It's so subtle. It's not expositional. It's not, you know, it's definitely show don't tell style writing. And um, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. 
Anyway. I, think, I think you're right. I like that too. Now well, that you mention it, it was because it wasn't in your face, like, "Oh, it's your girlfriend," or you know, something. Right. It was like, "Okay, well, they're friends. I can't really tell, but they're very clearly connected." But I think that goes back to part of what I like about this uh, gender-neutral military mm-hmm. scenario is that, yeah, there wasn't this clear, okay, you're a woman, and you know it's weird that I'm hanging out with you or whatever. It was very much egalitarian. Yeah, none, yeah. none of that. Yeah. So, what about you, Dave? What do you have a best scene? You know, I wrote best scene, and then I just left it blank. What? <laughs> but not because, and it, it wasn't because I couldn't think of a good scene. It was, it was because they were all really good. There was nothing. But then when I thought about it driving out here, I was thinking, I really enjoyed the Pekka Rollins character. Oh, yeah, yeah. I liked he, 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 the way he would he'd send his thugs in first. So he threatens the two guys. First he threatens the uh, one of the other crime bosses, and then he threatens uh, Kaz. But the way he sent his thugs come in first, and then he just kind of saunters in. And you know, like, this guy is a menace. Like, he doesn't have to do anything. Just his, the way he walks in. Yeah. And I, I like the accent he has. Yeah. He, he kind of reminded me of like uh, like Liam Neeson in his phone using heyday, you know, like just that <laughs> si- that calm menace of this man is yeah. like, but, but without the warm fuzziness of Liam Neeson, yeah. like this guy will bash your head in with a cane. And really well cast. Like that guy looked great and talked and acted wonderfully. He was 100% believable. I was afraid of him. But yet he didn't have to do anything. I mean, his thugs kind of rough the guys up. Uh, but what? just him walking into the room is like, he just, this like wave of fear just came. Well, that's, that's the thing like in acting and, uh, you know, the status thing. Like, yeah. It's not the people who are yelling who have status. It's the highest status people are the ones who silently stand there and look at you and you're scared of them. because Yeah, the long pauses and yeah. just kind of looking at you like considering. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, both of those scenes with him and him, I were my favorite. What about yeah. a worse scene for you? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of wind out there, Dave, I can hear, by the way. I hope other people can hear it too, just to prove that you really are outside. Yeah, I'm trying to get to the lee of the mic here so the wind isn't the, blowing the directly. The lee of the mic. That's putting like my that. head, putting the mic to the lee of my enormous head. <laughs> but, well, <laughs> great. Well, good luck with that. Um, so the worst scene. Okay, I do have one. Um, and that is the scene in, in the relatively early on when Mal is establishing that he's a good fighter and scared of nothing, yeah, he's boxing shirt without a shirt. Yes. And I am sick to death of shirtless old-timey boxing. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's in every show. Bridgerton, like every five minutes in the Bridgerton series, there was shirtless boxing. Really? Uh, yeah. I feel like it's just a gratuitous thing. I don't know. I don't know what the... I mean, did people box shirtlessly? I mean, they still do. What am I talking about? I don't watch sports. I don't do sports, Dave. And I guess you don't wear shirts. But this thing called the MMA. I don't know if you've uh, heard of it or... Fine. I guess it's normal to be shirtless, but it just, it seems stupid. I don't know. I don't, it just, it seems like it's just there to be like, oh, check out this, this guy. Let's look at his shirtlessness for a while. And like, it, it wasn't... It's completely correct, I guess, because if you're boxing and you want to show that he's a, a an awesome boxer, you do, I guess, have to take off your shirt. That's normal. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I've seen it so often recently, especially with Bridgerton, that I'm like, oh, this is just, 
this is just pandering. It's like it's like the oh, studio shit. came in and said we have to put in some shirtless boxing because that's in the contract of every Netflix movie. But I don't know. Um, that's the. But there's nothing wrong with it. It, it wasn't gratuitous in the sense that it like lingered over his oiled body or whatever. No, um, it's perfectly normal boxing. Um, but it just seemed like it seemed like a possible scene that was put in for reasons other than story, if that makes sense. Well, it makes Mal an appealing character physically. You, but re- I, you, you realize, oh, he's, he's a handsome true, fellow. But I feel like they didn't, they, that wasn't part of this show. It wasn't about exploiting everyone's looks. No, uh, not uh, not, not in a not in that way. Because like, yes, okay, you like Jesper is handsome when he's dressed all up. He looks great. You know what I mean? Like people look cool, but it's not like oiled up sexiness. You know? Well, okay. Anytime I've seen shirtless boxing, and I can think of like I can think of like Rambo movies. I can think of uh, Umbrella Academy. There's a shirtless. It's always these kind of guys. It's setting up this person who's kind of like they don't really care about themselves and they've ended up in this pit fighting scenario because they're all they're good for is their ability to fight. Mm. So it's a, it's kind of a low, it, it, it's a lot of an indicator of how low you've sunk. So in any movies I've seen, it's like when the character sunk to his lowest, he's like selling him, selling his physicality for as a pit fighter. Huh? Good. So interesting observation, Dave. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know if that's that doesn't really apply in this case. No, but it's but, just but, a, but it kind of comes right off the last line she says is something about uh, he doesn't run from a fight. Right. One thing I, about Mal is he doesn't run from a fight. So it was really just to establish before he had to get into an actual fight that he's really good at fighting. Which I is guess so, yeah. which is fine. I get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's not every single episode, it's great. Hey, are you enjoying this podcast? Well, guess what? You can go on to Apple Podcasts and rate the podcast and maybe even write a little review about how much you love it. And that would be literally the most helpful thing you could do. Strangely enough, that's how much power Apple Podcasts has over the podcasting world. So if if you've got a moment and you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just uh, click on the uh, um, many stars. Give us lots of stars. That'll be a super big, awesome help. Thank you very much. And back to the show. So talking about fighting, mm. you're probably going to punch me through the window if, oh, if it, you could. Is this your worst scene award? Yeah. Okay, go. It's the fold. I'm sorry. <gasps> what? <are> you, what? <laughs> and here's why. Here's why. Okay. I agree. The fold. I love the external shots. The fold. The, the menacing, you know, it's this menacing black cloud of these like scary sounds coming out of it. Uh-huh. When they go into the fold... And you're right, the first moment where they kind of go into the fold. But the fact that there's a scene in the fold took me out of it in a way because I immediately started problem solving. Oh, no. <laughs> I was immediately like, okay, you know, okay, well, why are they in an open boat? Get a roof on this thing. Get some metal. Can they make a tank? Like, let's, oh. uh, you know, get in a container. Get, like, can they make a Gatling gun? They have bolt-action rifles. How far are they from having a machine gun? You know, our, I'm thinking of, you know, do they have cannons? Shouldn't they be shooting these with cannons? Why are they all out in the open? So to me, it kind of mm. took took me out of it. I found it much more menacing and uh, terrifying when I didn't know what was actually in it. And they vol- the monsters were scary, for mm. sure. But I was like, I started thinking, okay, what are their shortcomings? Like, how could you, could you fly over the fold? Could you, like, 
you know, they they have air benders. Could they figure out a way to get over top of it? Anyway, interesting. I thought you were going to say something so terrible that it, that I would want to just unplug your microphone and leave. <laughs> leave me out here in the cold talking to myself yeah, yeah. in your wing back chair. That's right. But <laughs> I I don't think that that's a crazy sentiment. I think you're right in the sense that that it is kind of a boneheaded thing to be out in the open like that. And they did have the resources to come up with something slightly different. And the knucklehead. These are highly trained soldiers. Apparently, have been in a you know in a war and and have, you know, they're used to following orders. That she said no light whatsoever, and oh. that knucklehead over there. Why did he even have a light? Why is there even a lantern on board? Well, that's a, that is a good question. I think that was one of the cartographers who was not probably seen any battle of any kind. Okay, but nonetheless, why was there a lantern at all? It oh no, maybe it was the same lantern. He was trying to light it. I don't know. The only so why it's the worst scene is it just put me into a problem solving mode and it then a questioning and being like okay, but then they answer it and like a few scenes later I think when Kaz is interviewing people it's like well why don't they just tunnel under it and then the guy says well they tried that and uh, they heard them digging something yeah. heard them digging yeah yeah um, you're right you're right okay all right all right worst scene yep. what I give you full marks Dave yeah, I'm okay. perfectly happy with that I'll accept it <laughs> <laughs> without you. a fight without a fight thank you all right. Do you have any trivia for I this? I so much trivia. That's uh, great. All right. Well, here, well, <sighs> Dave, before I get into trivia, <laughs> <laughs> I want to introduce a new segment. I love a new segment. Um, if you look through your stack of papers that I gave you out there, this yes. new segment I'm, I'm titling Better with Dave. Is there a question mark at the end of that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, a, there it is. Yep. Okay, Better here we go. Here's Dave. the theme song. Hit the theme. All right, so that's the theme. And essentially what I'm asking is, yes, would this movie, television show, or whatever, be better if you, Dave, were in it? <laughs> this is where you've gotten to. <laughs> yeah, because this is a really good show. And I'm like, well, it can't be improved upon. But could it be improved upon if Dave were in it? See, now this would fill your bin with grumbles and gripes if I was in this uh, show. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's the question. So what I'm going to do is I'm, we're going to do a scene. And it's the scene where Mal and Alina are, this is the night before they go into the fold. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're up on the tower. And she, he comes up and finds her. And she's sort of brooding alone or whatever. Okay. And he has a conversation. So I'm going to replace Mal with you. You are going to be the <clears throat> Mal. Okay. Uh, and then Alina is going to have her actual lines. And so I'm going to cut this all together. So you're acting against the real Alina. Oh, so, so I'll read Alina's parts here and then I'll edit it together. So when people okay. listen to this on the podcast, it'll be you and Alina acting. And now the thing with you, Dave, is you're just, you know, mild-mannered, nice Canadian guy. You don't belong in this movie. So let's see what happens if Dave, mild-mannered, nice guy, had to play the part of Mal. So if you go ahead and read the Dave part, I'll read the Alina against you, and you just do your bits. Okay, here we go. Oh, hey, Alina. It's me, Dave. Remember me? We went to cartography school together. You know, Dave. We're friends, right? Uh, I, I guess I'm making things awkward again. You always do, somehow. So what are you doing up here? Sudoku? Yoga? Scrapbooking? I'm brooding. Brooding. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of brooding. I mean, uh, 
What do you look at that big old fold over there? I mean, it's massive. So dark and dangerous and whatnot. Uh, and I'm heading into there first thing in the morning. Probably won't make it back. Anyhow, I got you this big bag of M&Ms. Why did you get these? I uh, found them in between the cushions in an old sofa in that tent over there. My Grisha tent. <gasps> oh no, that was a Grisha tent? Uh-oh. I knocked over some old lady when I ran out of there. Uh, must have been a Grisha. She tumbled right over. You tumbled a Grisha? Yeah, I guess I did. Anyhow, so there's a good chance I'll die in the fold tomorrow, which is, uh, you know, which is a real bummer. Especially because, uh, uh, I've never, uh, gotten a chance to, um, kiss a girl and, uh, uh, and, uh... And? And, well, this is the part where I thought maybe you'd kiss me, you know, like, uh, because, you know, it's my last day and I brought you some M&Ms. So... 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 I could shoot you in the foot. Oh, okay. That's that's cool, too. So the question is... <laughs> is this better with Dave? And I'm going to leave it to the audience to decide, because it really depends on how this editing comes together. Yeah. I'm going to guess no, but... Yeah. um. Oh, I enjoyed it. I don't really know if that pushed the plot any further into anything better. <laughs> probably not. No, no. It's probably as unnecessary as a shirtless boxing scene. Yes. Okay. Can I be shirtless in the next time no, we do this? No. <laughs> no. Imagine someone driving by and you're just shirtless on my lawn in an armchair. Talking, talking at a, a wall. Yeah, Basically, talking. I'm just talking at the wall of your house. We would have the police here. Yeah. So here's some trivia. Okay. So, Jessie May Lee, she's the actor who plays Alina. Yes. She's half British and half Chinese. And guess how many languages she speaks, Dave? A bunch. Five. Yeah, I think that's actually the right answer. <laughs> it's English, Mandarin, Cantonese, French, and Spanish, which wow. I think is cool. I like uh, polyglots. I think that's fascinating. Yep. So that's a, So she's neat. Yes. Uh, and she's half... Her father or someone is from China, so it makes sense that she was cast as half uh, Shuhan and half Ravkin or whatever. Right. So that worked out really well. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, Mal, the character of Mal, is referred to in this as also of mixed race, which I don't think he was in the books. Um, right. I, cause, can I just ask a question? Yeah. Because I wasn't quite clear on this. So they're in the orphanage. Yeah. And she is with uh, Mal. Yeah. And this other mean bully kid comes in and says something about half-breed. Yeah. And I thought he was referring to Mal, but is he referring... To... I, I think someone refers to him as that. And then later on, oh, that okay. comes back. So I had to look this up. Um, and according to the showrunner, Mal is part Shu, uh, so same as uh, Elena, oh, okay. uh, and part Zemini. Uh, so that's a completely different um, uh, area where Jesper is from. Oh, okay. Um, and the Zemini people are sort of based, according to Lee Bardugo, on the American colonies in Australia. So maybe Australian Aborigines. I'm not sure. Oh, but okay. in any event, she uh, he's also half uh, half shoe, half Zemini. So that was interesting, but they didn't really get into it. But it was neat that they, they added all that. Wow. So there you go. There's some trivia on Mal's character. And Zoya, uh, you remember Zoya? The, the powerful squalor lady? Yes, yeah. She's part Suli, yes. and Edge is also Suli. Oh, okay. Um, so that's kind of cool. 
So enough of that. And then here's another little trivia. Lee Bardugo, the author, mm-hmm. made an appearance in the show. Did you see that? No. She She's in the little palace when Alina is, um, when they first show her off to the king. And she's the one who goes up and hugs Alina. That's the author, Lee Bardugo, who made a, oh, made a little cameo. That's cool. That's awesome. I'd be super psyched if I wrote a book and then got to be in a show about it. Well, it sounds like she was pretty heavily involved with this as opposed to other... Uh, shows where they uh turn books into films yeah yeah i mean she like she was in the writer's room and she was providing support but in the end of course she just has to sign off like she signs over the ability to have any real control so she has to um really put it in the hands of the showrunner and the writers and hope they don't screw it up they don't have to consult her but they they think she was really happy with the way it turned out okay uh so there's some um trivia um well kit young who played uh jesper Yep. So he trained with some like gunslinger type, like Western gunslinger type guys for this film. Yeah. And he, he was, he trained so well and he did so well that some of the CGI stunts that they were going to do, you know, for him with his gun, mm-hmm. he could actually pull off himself. Sweet. So they had to just, they were just like, oh, well, we don't need the CGI, I guess, because you can do it yourself. Awesome. Yep. Also filmed in Budapest. I saw that in Hungary, which is why it was so cool that they had all these buildings that we just hadn't seen before in other series that looked um, quite foreign to the viewer. Because unless you've been hanging around Hungarian castles, yeah, I loved the whole Eastern European feel. I loved the, that's you know back to my original thing. I loved the Russian feel of things too. Yeah, know? great. That and also cool. Vancouver. Oh God! Well, of course. <laughs> what did they film in Vancouver? Probably a soundstage or something. Probably yeah, there was a soundstage. Maybe yeah. some of the intern. I don't know. That's I didn't look into it too deeply. But and a ninety-one on Rotten Tomatoes. That's so. not too shabby. That's, not at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I understand why this, why people are watching this, um, because it was a book that was very popular, and people were going to watch it anyway because it was turned into a TV show. Yeah. But it also happened to be a good TV show. So they did a good job. So the reason people are watching this is because for once it's good. Yeah. So it's not Winx Club. <laughs> we finally have an answer that makes sense, which makes me wonder what have we been doing with all these other shows? <laughs> what is, what are they doing there? Why you know what? Okay. You know what it's time for, Dave? Is it what? It's time for us to figure out what is currently number 1. Oh because yes, because this is uh, because it is Sunday, so we're definitely watching whatever number one is. It might. Oh even be... well, I, I I just gotta ask you though, because oh. I well I know this I already know this, so there's okay. no point asking you. But uh, you've obviously continued watching this and watched it a second time. Yeah. So and I as well uh, told Lisa that my wife to that she needs to watch this, so we've been watching it together. Oh well, guess what, sir? What? Shadow and Bone is still number one. Well, there you go. So this, I think that means we have to watch it the, the next episode and then talk about it. Okay. Do you think we should talk about it? I could probably talk about this another hour. We might, we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to mix it up. We're going to make it super interesting next time. We need more of these things where I get to be a swarthy young um, okay. soldier. So you want Possibly some... shirtless. Okay. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll put you into a scene, a better than, better with Dave scene yeah. next time where you're doing something swarthy and or shirtless and we could actually have a boxing match if you'd like i don't want that okay i do not want that (laughs) um (laughs) anyway um i found this to be a lot of fun it was nice to talk about something that i liked yeah this was great and guess what we're talking about it again next week 
Right on. So stay tuned, everybody. Part two coming up next week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Hey, everybody, just remind you that we do have a Patreon page. So if you want to support the show with actual real live money that we use to do things on the show, like buy microphones and potato chips, then please go to patreon.com slash why are people watching this and uh, pledge your support. A few dollars a month goes a super long way in the podcasting world. So we'd love to have you on board. And then you get to call yourself a close personal friend of Dave and Justin. And that's pretty sweet, right? Yeah, it's pretty sweet.